Okay, Genesis chapter 12, again this evening, Genesis chapter 12. <coughs> Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to begin reading in verse 6 this evening. <coughs> Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. It says, And Abram passed through the land unto the place of uh, Sychem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Let's begin our time with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Holy Father, we thank you once again, uh, Lord, that we could be here this evening. Thank you, Lord, that we can uh, gather free from persecution and, and spend some time together uh, as a body of believers around your word. We pray that this evening as we uh, consider the truths of uh, Genesis 12 once again and Abraham's life, we pray that you would speak to us this evening, you would teach us through your word, instruct us as only you can. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the Spirit and give me wisdom this evening as I speak, uh, that, Lord, uh, would indeed be your words and your thoughts, and that, Lord, uh, this evening we'd be refreshed and blessed by your word, and we'd leave knowing that we've been in your presence, and we pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, of course, this morning we uh, looked at Abraham's obedience in following the call of the Lord upon his life, uh, stepping out by faith, leaving Ur and heading out on that journey following the Lord. As we saw there in uh, Hebrews 11 verse 8 sums it up by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Now the call of the Lord he packed up everything he had. He packed up his family. He packed up his livestock. He left his homeland not knowing exactly where he was going but he was following the Lord. As we saw this morning, the journey was one of two legs. The first leg was up to that place called Haran. And that first leg was a bit easier. His father was with him on that journey. And so that made it a bit easier, having his father supporting him. His father was with him on that leg. And it was relatively easy also because of the fact that it was up the Euphrates River. So it's along the valley there, a lush valley. And it wasn't until his father died there at Haran that the Lord then led him to leave. And we talked about how that trial, his father uh, dying, was part of uh, what was necessary for his life. It elevated him to being the patriarch, uh, the leader. And so with that trial, he then uh, stepped forth out of Haran and began his journey to Canaan. And we saw this morning that that was a more difficult leg, a more difficult stage of the journey. It was one that required him to live by faith each and every day as they crossed the desert. And we ended this morning with verse 5. At the end there, verse 5, it says, And into the land of Canaan they came. Finally, finally, after those many years, okay, leaving Ur and dwelling in Haran for those years, finally, after all these years, they arrive in the land of Canaan. They're at their destination, the place that God had called him to. And in verse 6, we read that upon arrival in the land of Canaan, 
Abraham continues to pass through the land until he arrives at this place here called Sychem. It says there in verse 6, And Abraham, and Abraham sorry, passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And so he doesn't just stop as soon as he enters the land. He keeps journeying south through the land until he arrives at this place here called Sychem. Now this place is also later in the word of God called Shechem. It's the same place. And is basically right near the center of the land of Canaan. And that's where he travels to and he stops. And it's interesting, it's, it's the same place that the Lord, later on, years later, the Lord meets with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Okay, there at Sychar. Okay, it's the same place, Shechem. It's all that same area. And so this place, Shechem, becomes an important place in the, the history of Israel. Okay, it's a, an important place and many important events will take place at this location. But you know, when Abraham first arrives here and journeys to this place, there's nothing there. There's no city. There's no settlement at this stage. Uh, the only significant thing about the place is this plain of Moreh. Okay, it says, unto the plain of Moreh. That's the only other significant thing mentioned here. Now, most commentators, basically all the commentators agree that the word translated plain here should actually be translated the oak or the terebinth tree. Okay, so it's actually a word talking about a tree, a significant tree or a, um, uh, a grove of trees. Okay, and so it seems like it, it, this man, Mora, okay, he owned this place and it was a significant landmark in the region. And it's at this landmark, this grove of trees or this oak tree, that he stops and he sets up his camp, sets up his tent uh, here in the land of Canaan. And it's here, while he's camped at Shechem, that the Lord now appears and speaks again unto Abraham. Look there in verse 7. It says, And the Lord appeared unto, him, unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And so the Lord appears unto him. Now this is the first time we've read of the Lord appearing unto Abraham since he first left uh, Ur of the Chaldees. Okay, this is the first time we've, we've read in Genesis of the Lord appearing unto him. It says the Lord appeared unto him. So what that means is that once again, this is uh, the pre-incarnate Christ appearing to Abraham, speaking to his servants. And the words of the Lord here, to Abraham both confirm that this is the land. Okay, it says there in verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And so the Lord confirms to him, he says, This is the land I've been leading you to. This is the place I said I would show you. And he also gives him the promise. He says, I will give this land to your seed. Now, at the end of verse 6, we're told that at this time, it's occupied by who? The Canaanites. Okay? And the Canaanite was then in the land. So the Canaanites, they're the ones who occupy, they're the ones who control this region of land. But God promises Abraham here that one day his descendants will own this land. It will belong to them. He will give it unto them as a possession. And Abraham's response to this meeting with the Lord and to hearing the words from the Lord, the promise from the Lord is to build an altar. It says there in verse 7, And 
there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. He builds an altar right there in, at Shechem in the middle of the land of Canaan. He builds this altar unto the Lord. He worships the Lord here in this place. You can imagine he's giving thanks to God for safety on the journey right from Ur, right through till he arrives here at Shechem, giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God that he's kept his promises. And finally, Abraham is here in the land, the place that God has been leading him to. But notice that Abraham doesn't just now settle down. You notice that? He's finally in the place, the land of Canaan. This is the place God is leading him to. But Abraham doesn't now settle down in this one place. Look there in verse 8. It says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And then in verse 9 it says, And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. He's in the land. God's just met with him and said, This is the promised land. This is the land I'll give to your seed, Abraham. He builds an altar. He gives thanks to the Lord. And then what does he do? He packs up his tent and he moves on. You know, the temptation would have been, I'm sure, to now set up a, a, a permanent residence. You know, this place where the Lord's met with him, Shechem, to develop a, a settlement, a city of his own, a permanent dwelling in the land. Now, after all, this is where God wants him to be. He's in the will of God. He's in the, the location God wants him to be. This is where God's been leading him to. And so we wouldn't be surprised to read in verse 8 and 9 of how he now builds a city, would we? We wouldn't be surprised if that was the narrative. But instead what we read is that he continues to move from place to place. First of all, traveling to this mountain east of Bethel, verse 8. And then in verse 9, we're told that he continues to journey south. You see, this is the beginning of a life on the move. He's in the land of Canaan, but it's a life that's constantly on the move. Abraham spends the rest of his life as a pilgrim. A pilgrim journeying in the land of Canaan. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 describes him as a stranger and a pilgrim. Let's just turn over there, Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 and verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This was the life that God had called Abraham to, one of being a stranger, a pilgrim on the earth. He's in the promised land. He's where God wants him to be, where God called him to. But God had called him to this life of being a pilgrim, a stranger. And in the passage before us this evening, Genesis chapter 12, I know it was a long introduction, but in the passage before us this evening, we see two things that characterized, characterized his life as a pilgrim. Two things that characterized his life as a pilgrim. The first is his tent. The tent, look back there in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8. Genesis 12. Verse 8, it says, And he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. 
I mean, Bethel in the west and high in the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. The first thing that characterized his life now here in the land of Canaan was his tent. Everywhere that Abraham went, he set up his tent, this temporary dwelling. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, we're told that this continued basically right throughout his life. Let's just turn over there. You should keep your finger in Hebrews 11 because we are going to turn back and forth there this evening. Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11 and verse 9, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. This continues right throughout his life. He dwells in this tent. Move from one place to another. He dwells in tabernacles, it says, with Isaac and with Jacob. In other words, with his son and then with his grandson. This is a continual life, a life of sojourning in the land, never knowing a permanent residence. Now consider that for a moment. When he left Haran, Abraham was 75 years old. We know that from verse 4. We read that this morning. He's 75 when he leaves Haran and heads southwest to the land of Canaan. He dies when he's 175. So he spends 100 years journeying throughout the land of Canaan. Just go over to Genesis chapter 25. In Genesis 25, we're told that he dies when he's 175. Let's go there. Genesis 25. Genesis 25, verse 7, it says, And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, and hundred threescore and fifteen years. And Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And so he spends a hundred years of his life here in the land of Canaan, journeying from one place to another, setting up and pulling down his tent, his temporary dwelling place. He spends 100 years trusting and relying upon the Lord each and every day. He spends 100 years following the Lord's leading each and every day. You know, and all around him as he's journeying through the land of Canaan, sojourning in the land, all around him are the Canaanites. And what are they dwelling in? They're dwelling in their fortified cities. They're well-established cities. Cities that would have no doubt reminded him of what he left behind in Haran no doubt reminded him of what he'd left in Ur, the the comforts that he had known. But Abraham continues to dwell apart, separate from the Canaanites. He dwells apart. He lives separate from them in his tents, moving from place to place. One commentator noted this. He said he held himself aloof from the people of the land. He was among them, but not of them. He did not attend their tribal gatherings. He carefully guarded against intermarriage with their children, sending his own, sorry, sending to his own country to obtain a bride for his son. He did not stay in any permanent location, but was ever on the move. The tents, which had no foundations, which could be erected and struck in half an hour, was the apt symbol of his life. It really did categorize his life, the tents. It's the symbol of his life, this life of a pilgrim. He lived apart from the people of the land. As that commentator said, he was dwelling among them, but he was not of them. 
He was not part of them. He was separate from the Canaanites, from these heathen in the land. And the tent was the symbol of that life of separation. Now the question we then must ask is, now what was it that motivated Abraham all this time? For a hundred years, what is it that motivates him to live this life as a pilgrim, to sojourn in the land? Now surely it would have been easier to settle in one of the, the local cities, wouldn't it? It would have been much easier for him to, to go to one of the Canaanite cities and to, to settle down and enjoy the comforts of that life. It would have been easier for him to turn around and go back to Haran, go back to Ur. In Hebrews 11 verse 15, it talks about if he was mindful or if he longed for that country, he could have had opportunity to go home. He could have had the opportunity to go back to where he came from. But the point is, Abraham didn't seek to return home, did he? He didn't seek to go back to Haran and Ur what he left. He didn't seek to settle with the Canaanites in the land either. And the reason was, the motivation was, his focus was upon who? God. And it was upon something far greater. That's where we go back to Hebrews 11. Let's just read Hebrews 11. And read from verse 9. Hebrews 11 verse 9, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And if you drop down to verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. See, Abraham's focus during this pilgrim life was what? It was the, the city whose builder and maker was God. His focus was upon the heavenly. This is the reason that Abraham was content to live this life in a tent, a pilgrim life. He was content to live this life by faith, never having this permanent dwelling place, this life separate from the Canaanites. Why? Because his eyes were upon the heavenly. That was his focus. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. You see, he was just a sojourner. He knew that. He was just a pilgrim, a stranger passing through. And he was content, therefore, to dwell in a tent here on earth. You know, in the New Testament, we likewise are called strangers and pilgrims, aren't we? Strangers, pilgrims here on this earth. Go to 1 Peter with me, 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2 and verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, who hath not, sorry, which hath not obtained mercy, but have, now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, 
abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And he says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak, e speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter talks about the fact that we're strangers, we're pilgrims on this earth. We've been called out of the world to be what? A peculiar people. Peculiar people separated unto the Lord, separated unto Him. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17, the Apostle Paul says that we are to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. See, we're called to be different. We're called to be apart from the world. To be different from the world, separate from the world. So the point is, we're no longer of the world, are we? Once we get saved, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And we're no longer of the world. We're citizens of heaven. Yet yeah, we dwell on this earth still. We do. We dwell on this earth. And we're among the, 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 the world, aren't we? But we're not to be of the world. That's the difference. We are among them, but we're not to be of them. We're not to be like them. You see, like Abraham, we've been called to live a life of separation from the world. You know, like Abraham, our life, if you like, is to be marked by the tent. By the tent. You know, what that means is that we're separate from the world, that we're different from the unsaved. We're set apart unto the Lord. But it also means that we have a different focus, doesn't it? Just like Abraham. It means we have a different focus than the unsaved. As we saw with Abraham, his focus was what? The heavenly. He was looking for that city whose builder and maker was God. That was his focus in life. And the same is to be our focus as believers, isn't it? Our focus is to be the heavenly. We're to keep our eyes upon what is in store for us above. In Philippians 3 and verse 20, Paul declares that our citizenship is in heaven. Let's go over there. Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians 3. <clears throat> Philippians 3 and verse 20, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, For our conversation, that word conversation speaks of our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're citizens of heaven, not of this earth. This world is not our home. We're just passing through on our way to glory, aren't we? We're just passing through. In John 14, Christ speaks about the fact that He's right now preparing that place for us. Let's go over there. We know the verse as well, but John 14. <clears throat> John 14 and verse 1. John 14 verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ even now is preparing that place for us, that mansion for us to dwell in. And he says in verse 3 that he's coming again to receive us, take us home to be with him, to dwell with him in that heavenly city. You see, the point is that's where our focus is to be, isn't it? Our focus as believers dwelling in this earth is to be upon the heavenly because that's our home. We're just 
citizens passing through. We're passing through this earth on our way to heaven. And so our focus is upon the heavenly, not the temporal. You know, when we understand that and when we keep that as our focus as believers, it changes the way we live, doesn't it? It'll change the way we live. It'll change our priorities in this life. Now, we will want to live the tent life, won't we? We'll want to live like Abraham, apart from the world. We'll want to be different from the world, separate from the world. And our concern will be laying up treasure in heaven. Our concern will not be the comforts and pleasures of this life. Because our eyes are where? Upon the heavenly. You know, Matthew chapter 6 Christ speaks about that, doesn't he? Matthew 6. Again, I know we know these verses, but Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. <clears throat> Matthew 6, verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now we're to lay up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. Be concerned with the heavenly, not the temporal. And he says there in verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, what we're concerned about demonstrates what? Demonstrates our heart. Demonstrates what's going on inside. You know, Lot, he demonstrated his heart, didn't he? You know, he went out with Abraham, and that was good. He, he desired to follow God. He decided to do the right, right thing. But then he got his eyes upon what? The plain, the lush plain. And Lot went down and he dwelled where? Basically in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He ended up in the city because he got his eyes upon the temporal. He, he set his affections on the things of this earth. And so he, Lot's a good example of the opposite, isn't it? Okay? Abraham had the right focus. Lot, however, however, showed his heart and he ended up dwelling with the wicked. But we must set our affection upon things above, not on things of this earth. Now Butler sums it up well when he says this. He says, The tent was the testimony of faith that spoke volumes about one's attitude towards dwelling in this earth. The tent said that there was more to come, that eternity was more important than time. Faith puts a tent on this earth, but a castle in heaven. Now I wonder, are we content to live the tent life, separate from the world, different from the world? And are we focused upon the heavenly? The second thing that characterized Abraham's life was the altar. Just go back there to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> and verse 7 again, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Until I see, will I give this land? And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. The second wonderful thing that characterized Abraham's life in the land of Canaan, his life as a pilgrim, was that everywhere he went, not only did he set up his tents, but he set up an altar unto the Lord, an altar to worship his God. You know, just in these two verses alone, verse 7 and verse 8, we see him set up two altars, an altar at Shechem, and then he sets up another altar on this mountain east of Bethel. 
In Genesis chapter 13, verse 18, he sets up an altar at Hebron. In Genesis 22, verse 9, he sets up an altar on Mount Moriah. Everywhere he went, his life was characterized by these two things, dwelling in a tent and setting up an altar to worship his God. See, the purpose of these altars was a place of sacrifice, wasn't it? It was a place to offer sacrifice unto God. It was a place to, to fellowship with his God, to commune with God, to offer prayers, to seek the guidance and counsel of his God. Commentator Weasby writes this, The tent marked him as a stranger and pilgrim who did not belong in this world, and the altar marked him as a citizen of heaven who worshipped the true and living God. He gave witness to all that he was separated from this world, the tent, and devoted to the Lord, the altar. And that's what it demonstrated. The tent demonstrated he was separate, he was different. The altar demonstrated his devotion under his God. Abraham was testifying before the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites. He was testifying that he worshipped a different God. And he's bold in his worship. He's not hiding it, is he? He's going everywhere, setting up an altar, and he leaves behind that altar. It's a testimony of his faith in God, his, his worship of the Lord. You know, as his heathen neighbors are watching on, they would have seen the difference, wouldn't they? You know, Abraham's setting up an altar, but there's no idols. He hasn't got any idols there in front of his altar. His, his altar is under the heavens, isn't it? Unto God. They would have also noticed the fact that he had no sacred places. You know, their idolatry was always connected with sacred places. That's where you had to go to, to offer unto their gods. But Abraham, he built an altar everywhere he went under his God. And he was not ashamed to worship God openly as his neighbors watched. The commentator Goetz writes this. He says, In this way he began to bear witness to his new pagan neighbors that he and his family were different. Their sacrifice and worship were not made to some idol of wood or stone, but to the one and only invisible God, creator of the heavens and earth. Indeed, the altars that Abraham built testified of his continual worship and devotion under his God. You know, in the same way our lives, our lives ought to bear witness of the fact that we are devoted to the Lord. Shouldn't they? Our lives shouldn't just be characterized by the tent separation, but they should also be characterized by our devotion to God. People ought to be able to see that He is the priority in our lives as believers, as Christians, as citizens of heaven. Now, of course, that starts privately, doesn't it? It starts with us, first of all, privately coming daily to the Word of God and spending time with Him. It starts with us spending time in prayer, communing with our God each and every day. You know, it's not just private devotion to the Lord. Our devotion and worship of God is then to be visible as well. It's to be visible to the world around us, not to hide it. It's to be clear, it's to be clearly seen that we worship God, that we are devoted to our God. You know, the fact that we are a Christian ought to characterize our very being, shouldn't it? You know, when people look at us and when they think of us, the first thing they should think of is that they're a Christian that they are devoted to God, that they honor God. They, they go to church every Sunday. They're faithful every Wednesday night. They, they serve their God. They're devoted to Him. 
See, we ought to be bold in our worship of the Lord, bold in our testimony before men. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 speaks about letting our light shine before men. Let's just go there. Matthew chapter 5. Let's start in verse 13. It says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're not to hide our light under a bushel, are we? We're to let it shine. We are to be bold in our worship, our devotion of our God. Daily, our actions ought to proclaim to those around us that we serve and worship God. You see, like Abraham, we're pilgrims, aren't we? We're pilgrims just passing through. We're citizens of heaven, not of this earth. And therefore, our lives are to give witness to that fact. You know, may it be true that we are separate, that we're different from the world, that we have a different focus. Our focus is the heavenly, not the temporal. And may also people see clearly our devotion to the Lord. You know, may our lives, like Abraham's, be characterized by the tent and by the altar. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you once again for your servant Abraham. And Lord, his constant devotion to you. Lord, he spent his life as a stranger, a pilgrim in the land. A lot of life that was characterized by the tent and by the altar. And Lord, may that be true of each of us as well, as believers, Lord, in this life. And we understand, Lord, that we are to be separate. We are to be different. Have a different focus, a different passion in this life from the world. Our passion is the heavenly. Our passion is you. And may, Lord, we be devoted to you. May that clearly be seen. Lord, bless as we close. And may you work in our hearts this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.